Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com. We hope you enjoy this message. We're a missionary family. We've spent seven years in South Africa and I currently work with Next Level International as well in Czech Republic. We're working with 20 to 25 churches over there and we're helping the guys over there to plant churches and helping to train and develop leaders there as well in a, in a part of the world that is not too far away from here and yet is 70% atheist and is one of the least rich people groups on the planet, right on our doorsteps in Europe. And, and Czech Republic is not in as bad a state as some of the other places. So my heart and, and the heart of my wife, Hannah, is very much that we share the gospel until the whole world hears. Everybody's got to have a chance to hear the gospel once. And that's what we're absolutely passionate about. And, and, and everything that, uh, that drives me, everything about that is what drives me. Because Jesus is worthy of being praised. And, and I am excited to be here this evening. And I'm excited because when we hear the songs, when we sing stuff, I'm a real believer that we sing words that have real power. But sometimes we're not quite there. So we're singing the words that are real power, but actually you're thinking about tea this evening or what the kids are doing or what you're going to be doing tomorrow. And we've sung three things this evening that basically summarize my entire sermon. The first is, is how great is God? God, you are greater. God, you are higher. That's the first thing. So easy to sing, so much more difficult to actually believe and apply when your circumstances get tough. That's the first one. Second one, we say, we say, and if our God is for us, who could stand against us? That's another easy one, isn't it? Who can stand against us? Our God is for us oh, until the circumstances get a little bit tricky. And then we start thinking that all those who are against us actually have got an incredible amount of power and more than God has. Things that we're singing, our God is stronger. Our God is, is greater. Let me... See, it's very interesting that Peter Cavani, so he was speaking this morning on God is in control, because that's the third thing that we sung this evening. God is unshakable. But for some of us, our world might be a little bit shaken at the moment. You see, we've had all the, the terrorist atrocities. We had uh, the election in midweek. That didn't go how everybody thought it would go, did it? It's, um, I've got here actually a little bit of a summary from BBC Radio 5 Live. So I don't know whether you're on the left, in the centre or on the right, but I just thought I'd just summarise how things went as, as Radio 5 saw it this week. I think it's helpful for us. So they said, so the Conservatives won, uh, but lost. Labour lost, uh, but won. The SNP won and lost in Scotland, but still won. And the Conservatives won in Scotland, but lost. UKIP lost, but because of Brexit, they've already won. And the winner, Mrs May, is being told to resign because she didn't win. And, because, uh, and she won't because she won, even though she lost. You get that? 
And I thought those were really quite entertaining. It's a, but it's some, it actually summarizes pretty much where we are in a nation right now. It's like everyone who's won has lost, and everyone who's lost has won, and nobody quite knows where we're going to go or what it's going to look like over the coming weeks and months. And you know what the amazing thing was? It came as a big shock to God. Because he thought it was a 70 conservative majority last week. And it's like, it was an absolute shock to him. And he's, he's had to go and rewrite his playbook to see, right, what do we do now with the hung parliament? Because he didn't, he was stuck. You see, this is the thing. God is unshakable. Sometimes our worlds get shaken by stuff that is going on. And we think, oh, this is not supposed to happen. This is not what I foresaw. This is not what I predicted to go on. And now this has happened. I don't know quite what to do. But nothing comes as a surprise to God. God knew this was going to happen. God knows all the situations that are going on in your life. He knows about them and he knows the challenges that you face and he knows the difficulties you're going through. And even though they may be tough and even though they are real, God is still in control and God is unshakable and God is greater and God is higher and can do stuff to change those circumstances that is beyond our capacity to imagine or even believe, isn't it? Sometimes, and I say even believe because we're supposed to believe this stuff, but so often actually we believe it on a Sunday in church with everybody else going hallelujah, but it's when it gets to Monday morning, isn't it? That, that's when. Do you believe it on a Monday morning? And the message that I wanted to share this evening comes from 1 Samuel 14. And this is a passage that really defines a person and a group of people in a situation whereby it is a complete shambles. And hope is not very close to the scene. Let me just read it out for you. We're going to go from 1 Samuel 14, verse 1 to 15. It says, One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let us go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migran. And with him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sina. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south towards Geba. And Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Did you hear that? Nothing can hinder the Lord. Do all that you have in mind, his armor-bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. And Jonathan said, Come on then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up, because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor-bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer followed and killed behind him. 
In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. And then verse 23, so on that day, the Lord saved Israel and the battle moved on beyond Beth Avon. Amen. Isn't that lovely? So there we are, Jonathan and his armor bearer have gone up and won a battle. And it's some stuff, you know, in the Bible, it's so easy sometimes to just float over stuff. And go, oh, that's nice. Oh, what a lovely victory. That's absolutely super. Really pleased that God moved on behalf of Jonathan and on the armor bearer and that they killed a few Philistines and that, and that God's will was done. That's lovely, isn't it? Let's actually go back a little bit and find out what the circumstances and situation are behind what was happening here because it then starts to bring a bit of a revelation in terms of how powerful the move of God really was here. You see, the Israelites are being oppressed by the Philistines at this time. And the Israelite army have disbanded. They were scared of the Philistines because of the size of the Philistine army. Troops have deserted. Some are hiding in caves. Some are hiding in holes in the ground. And others have defected to the Philistines. This is an army that is ready for battle, isn't it? They're all there, disciplined, ready together. Some have scarpered. Some are hiding in holes. Some are hiding in caves. And they're all panicking. This is God's army. This is God's people having a super panic. Oh, God, you are greater. God, you are higher. Yeah, God, you are unshakable. Oh, there's a Philistine army there. Ooh, I'm not sure about that. I'm off. It's like, oh, I'm so uncertain of it. I'm going to think, who's going to win this battle? Mm, mm, Philistines. Right, I'll join them. That's where people are at. That's where people are at. And if that wasn't bad enough, we then have Saul the king of Israel, the guy who is supposed to be leading and setting an example. And what was supposed to happen is that Saul was supposed to be present when Samuel came back from where he was off to, and then Samuel, as a priest, was going to sacrifice, make a burnt offering, seek the Lord's guidance, and then they could all go into battle. But here was the thing, you see, Saul, well, kind of, that was a problem, really. See, Samuel hadn't come back when he said he was going to. And Saul was a little bit, you know how it is when somebody says they're going to do something and then they don't quite do it? And you think, well, I better do this myself. I better take this into my own hands. That was Saul's approach. And so he, he wanted to seek God's guidance upon this whole situation. So he thought, there's no Samuel. You know what? I'm king. I'll do the burnt offering. And that way I will seek God's guidance. The only problem was that in doing that, Saul just went and, and disobeyed half of Deuteronomy. All the things that God has said, do not do, Saul went and did it while saying, I want to seek a blessing of God. And we have those things, don't we? Sometimes when things have not worked out, we've got a plan, something's supposed to happen, the guy doesn't turn up, it all falls to pieces, and boy, we then decide we're going to jump ahead of God, we're going to jump ahead of the situation, and we're going to start doing things in our own strength. And then God comes and says, what are you doing? And here we go, we are ready with our excuses, aren't we? This was Saul. It was like men are scattering. Look at this. I've got nobody left. We've got nobody. They've got thousands of people. It's like Samuel's not here. What am I supposed to do? Men are scattering. I've got to do something. I need to seek your help, God. Philistines are ready for battle over there. We're not. We're hiding in holes. Not quite the same. And Samuel said, here we go. This is the Garden of Eden bit, isn't it? Samuel said that he would be here. And he's not. We are so good at passing the blame on to somebody else. Are we not? 
It's my situation. He's the one. Saul is, Saul is the one who sinned here, but he's going to pass the book on to Samuel because Samuel didn't rock up quite when he said he was going to. And so you have the king who is supposed to be leading his army. That's his situation right now. It's a bit of a mess. The army's disappeared anyway. And, you know, that would all be bad enough. But there's one small, just a tiny little detail uh, regarding this army. Uh, they don't have any weapons. That's the other slight hitch. See, the thing was the Philistines were in control and they knew that the Israelites might actually rebel. So they made a plan to make sure the Israelites didn't rebel. Everything that they were trying to sharpen, even their farming stuff, is like, you come to us and we'll do it for you. There's no way for the Israelites to develop or gain weapons. So here you now have an army of 600 people standing under a pomegranate tree with no weapons. Half of them have disappeared into holes, half of them are in caves, and the other half are, because I can do good maths, the other half are over with the Philistines fighting against the Israelites. That is the situation as Jonathan comes to a point where he thinks, what am I going to do? What are we going to do here? These are God's people. And God's people in a mess. And it's at that point that Jonathan has a plan. And that's the first thing that we need sometimes as Christians. We need to have a plan. It's not against God. It's actually with God. We can strategize. We can think. And we can say, God, what is your plan for my life? Let's find ourselves a plan. And then I can walk in that plan. And Jonathan had a plan. And desperate situations recalled for desperate solutions. And you know... 600 men, he's not even told them. He's decided, I'm not going to tell them. I'm just going to go. I'm going to go, and I've got a plan. Now, let me think. You Maybe you think this plan for John, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write 600 pages of military strategy. That's what we need. 600 pages of military. We've got 600 people. We're going to have this fantastic scheming plan with brilliant tactics. That's what it's going to be. And then Jonathan will distribute that to all the men, and we're going to, we're going to win a fantastic victory. That's not what happened. That wasn't quite the plan. Do you know what uh, Jonathan's plan was? And I, this is roughly it, but it's pretty much the whole plan put down into, into one sentence. Jonathan's plan was, we're going to do these Philistines. That was pretty much it. It's like, you've got the Philistines. He's thinking, we're God's people. They're the Philistines. They're not supposed to be riding it and lording it over us. Got to do them. That was the whole plan. It's not much of a plan. People are outnumbered. There aren't any weapons. God's abandoned the king. Armies are depleted. There is no, nothing to suggest that, that anything good's going to happen. Maybe the best thing to do is everybody runs. But Jonathan has a different plan and he says, I'm going to attack them. Oh, great plan. Great plan, Jonathan. You, you're going to attack them. Brilliant. See, the thing was, though, Jonathan understood something about his God. Jonathan had faith. And that is the key thing. Jonathan had faith. And let me tell you something here. Jonathan is a boy at this stage in probably his late teens. So we are not talking here about Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions. We're not talking gladiator here. We're not talking, right, I'm going to win this fight and I'm the super fighting man. This is a young guy in his teens who is probably still working on his military training. So he is not super talented in fighting. And he's got nobody with him. He's got no plan, no hope. 
And yet there is something in him that says, but I know my God. But I know my God. And my God is able to do something because my God's unshakable and my God is greater and my God is higher. And if my God is for me, then who can stand against me? Power in the words of these songs. But do you believe it when it really comes down to it? When it comes down to that real matter of saying, now the crunch comes, now I've got to make the decision, what are you prepared to do? Jonathan made a quick plan, it was a simple basic plan, and he had faith that God was going to intervene in an amazing way. And that's when I look at verse 6. Verse 6 is very interesting. Let's read it again. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. You know what? If I'm going by myself to attack an army, I'm hoping that God's going to do more than a perhaps. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is why we've got to get into Scripture and find out what it's really saying. Jonathan is going out on a limb with a small plan and a bunch of faith and going, perhaps God will do something. Now, I'll be honest, okay? If this is me, I'm going to be sitting there and I'm going to be thinking, and what if God doesn't? Okay, how's that going to wind up for me if God doesn't? Perhaps he will. It's like, I'm a bit like the, the kind of Moses type. It's like, you know, it's like what we need to do is we need to see this up in the sky. We need to see the burning bushes. We need to see everything going on. Turn this, this stick, turn it to a snake. I need every sign under the sun to say, God, this is you and you are with me. And Jonathan goes, perhaps he'll help us. Wow. That is some level of faith. But you know, as I said, Jonathan understood who his God was. And he understood that when he walked in faith, when he trusted God, when he walked in the authority that God had given him, or as we walk in the authority that Christ has given us, then we are more than conquerors in him, and there is nothing that is able to overcome us. Oh, I heard that recently somewhere. Anyone here on Friday night? Yeah, I seem to recall Brother Yoon saying something pretty much exactly like that. That's how he operates. He understands the authority that has been given him in Christ Jesus. Not because of anything he is or anything that he's done, but just because he understands, I am a son of the living God. And Christ has given me a challenge. Christ has given me a task. And I'm going to walk and I'm going to fulfill it. And that task, coming back to where our missions is and our heart is, it's simply going all to all the world and preach the gospel because it's then that the end will come. I used to be really into eschatology. I spent years into eschatology studying this stuff, you know. Had every I've held every position under the sun. And since then, I've come to realize there's only one scripture for eschatology that really matters to me, and it's Matthew 24, 14. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. You want Jesus to come? That's a solution. And that was what Brother Yun understood. And that is why he's gone out. That's why the Back to Jerusalem movement is doing what it's doing. Because they are walking in the authority Christ has given them to fulfill a commission that Christ has given to them. What's your commission? What have you been called to do? Because if God has called you to do something, he has given you the authority to be able to walk into that calling and he is going to be with you. Just in the way that he was with Jonathan. 
Nothing and no one can stop our God. See, there's another little bit in this as well. I don't know whether you picked this up when we were reading it through. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. That was my first challenge with this verse. There's another one coming up. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Now, if you're like me, I find it quite easy to see how the Lord saves when there's many. We've got a whole army of guys behind us. It's like, no worries, I see how the Lord's going to work in this because I've got a massive army behind me. But when there's suddenly a few, and when the circumstances are against us, and when it doesn't look like there's much of an opportunity, do we trust God then? You see, there's two variables and one constant. The first variable is that there's loads of us in this, in this battle, fighting for Jesus, bringing the kingdom of God. There's loads of us. That's the first variable. The second variable is, no, there isn't loads of us. There's only a few of us. And we get to a point where we go, there's only a few of us. And, we're, and better people than us have done it as well, haven't you? Do you remember Elijah? So, oh, I'm the last one left. Oh, it's only me. How could anybody do anything? He got caught into that trap of the two variables. He was fine if there's loads of us, but as soon as there's not many of us, we're struggling. But actually, there's one constant, and the constant is God. And the constant is way more powerful than either of the variables. And you know what? When there's a few of us, you know, that is when, and when the circumstances are against us, that gives God the opportunity to do his greatest miracles, doesn't it? That's when he can reveal himself. If we've got piles of people or everything's working for us and, and we've got everything under control, you know what? How much glory goes to God then? Because it starts to become, well, you know what? I did a bit of that and I contributed and that was a part of that. But you know what? When the circumstances come against you and, and you're in a position where, oh, what can I do? I've got to depend upon God. Then all the glory is going to him because God has to be the one who does something because it's not actually possible for you to do anything. So the first thing, Jonathan has a plan. Secondly, Jonathan has faith. Thirdly, Jonathan has a partnership. That's a key word for the Christian church today. Partnership, working together and, and helping one another. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body of Christ for a reason. It's because Jesus is the head and every single one of us has got a role and a gift and a talent and something that we contribute to making the kingdom of God work and to fulfilling the tasks that we have. And Jonathan understood that. We need a partnership. And you know, when you're going out to fight the entire Philistine army by yourself, it's like, I'm looking for a really good partnership here. Who are you going to take with you? What are you going to do, Jonathan? Oh, you know, I've, I think SAS, maybe. Special commando force. Maybe a top secret weapon. 50,000 men. They're the kind of partnerships I'm looking for to go out to hit the Philistines. And so what does Jonathan do? He has a look and he goes, oh, my armor bearer. You'll do. He's even younger than Jonathan is. He's got no military training, and he's not got a weapon. Wow. Jonathan says, you and me, we'll do it. And even more amazingly, the armor bearer goes, whatever you say, Jonathan, I'll do it. Wow. Do you want to go into a battle with the Philistines when you don't even have a weapon, and you're relying on the one guy in front of you who's got a weapon? Because if he's gone, you're gone. You have nothing you can do. And let me tell you, that that is the heart of God. 
That is the hard attitude that God is looking for. Somebody says, look, it all looks bad, but you know what? I am with you. Pastor's dream. Pastor's dream. <laughs> what you're looking, what pastors look for, you want people who are going to come and say, you know what, I'm going to serve, I am behind you, I am with you, I see your vision, I want to get behind it, I want to support this, and even if it costs me, whatever the cost, whatever the price, I am with you. That is, that's what God's looking for. That's what the church is about. People who get behind one another, get behind the leaders and say, you're going forward, you're going to lead the way, all right, you're going to lead the way, and... In the armor bearer's case, I'm going to go behind you. And I mean right behind you, hidden behind you, but I'm going with you. I'm going with you. So let's see what actually takes place. You see, the thing is, the Philistines are up on this high point. And it says that Jonathan and, uh, and his armor bearer, they have to come out. So they're coming out of this cliff face. So they have to reveal themselves to the Philistines to start with. And the hill is so steep that you've got, they've got to climb up on their hands and knees. That's not a real good fighting situation, is it? When you've got one weapon and you're facing a bunch of military guys at the top who all know how to defend themselves and all know how to attack. And then that's when Jonathan does his next thing, isn't it? He says, you know what? If they say, come up and have a fight, that's God's sign that we're going to beat them. Oh, okay, right. That's faith for you. If they say we want to have a fight, that's our sign that we're going to go up and attack them. For me, that's my sign that, okay, they want to fight. I was hoping we could maybe get to the top, maybe have a coffee, chat things through, see if we can come to a truce perhaps, you know, talk about the football match at the weekend. That's, that's the kind of thing I'd be looking for. Wanting a fight, that's it. Okay, this is maybe a really bad idea. Perhaps it's time to go. And yet Jonathan is so convinced about what God is saying to him that he goes. And the Philistines make this declaration. Come on, they're having a bit of a laugh. Wouldn't you as a Philistine? People in holes, people in caves, half of the, half of the opposition are with you already. And then two guys, one without a weapon, start, mar I can't say marching up the hill, start clambering up the hill on their hands and knees to come and take you on. And yet that day, they killed 20 people. And I'm just thinking, I'm still wor working that out because it says the armor bearer killed people. I assume that Jonathan's probably taken someone out and he's got his sword because otherwise I'm thinking, how's the armor bearer done this? It's like poking people with his finger or kicking them in the shins or something. Because that's about all he's got, isn't it? Or maybe I'll pick up a rock and throw it at somebody. Because that's all he's got. And yet, their faith... The fact they had a plan, the fact they had faith in, in God, and the fact that they were together as a partnership, God took it, God used it, and God did something amazing that was impossible, that was beyond comprehension. Did Jonathan and the armor bearer defeat the entire nation of the Philistines that day? No, they didn't. But they took out a group of, it says 20 of them, that they took out. And what happened after that? After the 20 were taken out... Everybody else started to panic. And then God did what only God can do. And sometimes, perhaps if there's a take-home from this, this morning, this afternoon, it's this. You know, sometimes we have to take the step to do what we can do. And if we will do that, then you create the opportunity for God to do what only God can do. 
You see, God will not do what only God could do if Jonathan and the armor bearer stayed at home under the pomegranate tree or sitting down eating pomegranates. It's not going to happen. But because they took a step of faith, they created the opportunity for God to do something. Honor perhaps. Honor perhaps. And if the guys could, the worship team could just come up. Is that okay? And I'd love you to just play the song, Our God is Stronger. That would be awesome. Under the darkness, or out of the darkness you shine. It's, and I want us to be challenged.